a very special trade reaction episode of seven seconds or less my name is max mccauley and i'm joined as always with my co-host his name is david nash david we just traded trevor ariza to the washington wizards for austin rivers and kelly Oubre. how are you feeling right now I'm feeling like the last couple of days, or at least the last 24 hours, has been a little bit of a whirlwind, Max. Uh, we talk about the time zone difference a little bit on our pod, and uh, it was very interesting for me because uh, I, I suspected this might happen, but I, I woke up to the official trade after uh, living through, like everyone did, the uh, hysterical nature of the failed trade uh, earlier the previous day. Hysterical nature is a nice way to put it. It almost has two meanings there. Hysterical both because everyone was hysterical and didn't know what was going on, and also hysterical because it was really, really, really funny. It was a classic day for NBA Twitter. Uh, not something that, that often happens. You know, I've read a few things and listened to a few pods since, and you know, most people have said that uh, you know, something like this has essentially never happened. Uh, plenty of trades have been backed out of and things like that, but... Uh, the nature of this one with, uh, you know, two guys being confused, uh, I- I'm not sure is something that's ever happened in the NBA before. And, of course, it's our sons to to create another first in the NBA from a, a negative perspective, perhaps. Yeah, seriously. And a lot of us, very much including myself, rushed to judgment to blame the sons. And it actually kind of sounds like it might not have been their fault. Totally. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, your billion-dollar organization maybe confirm with all three teams in the trade before going public that the trade's what you think it is. Yeah, we'll get into that. But I've got uh, yeah. Yeah, two main thoughts on that. But we're gonna we're gonna run through this kind of blow by blow here, Max, and uh, kind of I guess give our uh, live feelings at the time as if we're going through it again. Yeah, we're going to try to do some kind of like an oral history thing. I mean, generally, oral histories are people who are involved. And, you know, David, we actually we kind of were involved because we are for fans who had to experience this. So we're going to go through what happened last night and just kind of give our feelings to each thing. We're going to go and order all the crazy tweets, every twist and turn that was going on last night. And then obviously after that, we'll get into the actual trade that happened this morning and our feelings on that. But I, I think it's important David and I both want to kind of encapsulate what last night was because it almost is more significant in some ways than the trade itself was. Yes, there was a lot of people covering this who, uh, you know, it, admitted that they wouldn't be covering it if it just went through as a normal trade because it was a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a pretty average trade, so to speak. You know, I'm sure you and I would have jumped on a pod because we're, you know, diehards and, and want to discuss all of these things and we'll have some thoughts later on the trade itself. But uh, a lot more interest in this trade because of the uh, hysterical nature of it, Max. A hundred percent. So let's let's dive right into it. We're going to start right at the beginning. It was allowed, I think it was around 7.30, maybe 8 p.m. Phoenix time. Woes tweeted that the Suns and Wizards were like, further, like, pretty far progressed into a multi-team trade 
involving Trevor Ariza. David, when you saw that tweet, what was kind of your first thought? Yep, so I'll place myself here, Max. You, you mentioned it was kind of, you know, nighttime uh, where you are. It, it was the very middle of the day down where I was and uh, on a Saturday, no less. So I was uh, I was not at home. I was out and about uh, actually at a friend's uh, house auction of all things. So uh, my mind was certainly elsewhere when, when this came about and it, uh, it certainly shocked me. You know, we discussed that as soon as the 15th hit that uh, you know, Ariza may be traded, but I, I, I didn't think it would, you know, essentially come before the 15th hit. And uh, as you said, that initial tweet really just mentioned multiple teams, Ariza and Washington. So automatically I was looking at uh, Washington's roster. I'd thought about Austin Rivers a couple of weeks ago, which I alluded to on Twitter, uh, just with Woj's story about a playmaking guard rather than uh, just calling it a point guard, so to speak. I thought that the Suns may look at guys like Austin Rivers. Uh, And then I was thinking about who the third teams were going to be and who'd been rumored as third teams and stuff, Max. But where were you? What, What were you doing at the time? I'm a weird nerd person, so I was obsessed with us getting Thomas Sadoransky at that point yeah. because he's the guy I watched and I wanted the most, and yeah. I, I've always thought he'd be a great point guard fit with Booker. But, you know, I, I was nervous, and part of the reason why I was nervous is because I thought Austin Rivers might be in the trade, which if you haven't found out yet, spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, that's how I was too. I, I was really confused because I didn't think the Wizards were going to be the team to, to get Ariza. I thought they were, it was going to be a contender more so than a team that was on fire. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it now, it makes some sense because, you know, Ariza, although it didn't help for the Suns, it was a, it was very much a, you know, locker room thing, I think, for the Wizards. He's served that uh, role for them before. Yeah. So I get it going back. But yeah, for me, it was, it was, it was a lot of confusion and just like, all right, I just got to see what the details are going to be on this trade. Yeah. I kind of looked at two tiers when the initial Ariza stuff happened. You know, there's obviously the contenders where Ariza might really push you over the top. But, you know, there was another tier there of these uh, just playoff contenders and teams on the bubble of making the playoffs. And Washington uh, were definitely one of those and are definitely one of those. And, uh, you know, I guess those teams are perhaps more desperate, more quickly to, to move on a guy like Ariza. Uh, I still don't get the trade overall for them. It, it, it's just a little bit confusing. They're, they're a little bit of a dumpster fire overall. So, uh, you know, giving up on a guy like Ubre, I guess they'd already made that uh, decision mentally a long time ago. But um, we're not going to talk about Washington too much. But uh, yeah, that, that initial tweet, uh, how does both nervous, I think is probably the easiest way to, to finish on, on that first note, Max. Let's move from anxiety to anger because <laughs> the next tweet was tweeted. And I'm, I'm just going to read uh, verbatim my, my response to this tweet. But but was tweeted that Ariza was going to the Wizards, Ubre was going to the Grizzlies, and Austin Rivers and, quote, two Grizzlies role players, two sons, yep. was, the, uh, was the tweet. And my, quote, tweet response was, oh, my God, fuck this team seriously. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't quite that bad. Uh, I I did the extra nerdy thing perhaps of uh while I was out going straight to Memphis's roster. Uh, uh you know, a few names came to mind, but I I wanted to make sure I wasn't forgetting anyone. Uh this is probably the first sign where you know you're in you know a a, a hell position of it being a pretty average trade. I straight away went could Shelvin Mack be one of the Memphis <laughs> role players and somehow save He's been good this, year. this trade. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, we, we talked about Sadoransky. I think, you know, Shelvin Max just, you know, being just as good as him this year in particular. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I was straight away thinking, is this how we get a uh, stopgap point guard? But, yeah, that was as far as I went with the role player stuff. There wasn't a, a hell of a lot else on the Memphis roster that I was uh, interested in and uh, probably didn't get too much longer to think about it, Max, before we, we got another update. Yeah, we got the uh, the beginning of what we'll call the Brooks saga, which is when we, we found out that Wayne Seldon indisputably uh, there's there was no doubt david that wayne selden was in this trade yes there's but, no other seldens <laughs> in the nba as far as i know so uh, we, we couldn't get confused on that one nope but uh apparently we found out i didn't know this before last night that uh there were two brookses on the memphis roster and uh initially it sounded like from both our own gambo and Woj that it was going to be dylan brooks who is going to be in the trade with Wayne Seldon, which was met with some approval, I would say. Uh, how was your initial feeling when you when you heard that, David? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like Dylan Brooks. I, I don't know like his game, you know, terribly in depth as like I know some of the Suns guys. But you know, we both follow the NBA. We both have opinions on uh, most guys around the league. He had a great rookie season. Uh, he played very well against the Suns. Uh, earlier this year, you know, I, I'm the first to admit I, I clearly watch a hell of a lot of Suns basketball and don't have a lot of time for, uh, you know, watching non-Suns related games these days. But, uh, you know, he played very well against the Suns earlier on in the year. So I, I automatically thought of that. Uh, and, you know, I know that the Suns had some interest in him in his draft year as well. So I guess my personal opinion on him aside, it, it felt at least like Brooks was a guy that the Suns wanted included in the trade and, and was some sort of a prize out of dealing Ariza, Max. Yeah, and it made me feel a little bit better. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was still angry. Just really just about trading for Austin Rivers, which we'll get into later. Not not a player that I like. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, Dylan Brooks was a bit of a cherry on top of a poop Sunday. <laughs> he's, you know, he's got some talent. He's shot well, recently well from three early in his career yep. for a wing, which is nice. Uh, people tell me he's tough and plays defense. I, I don't know. I didn't watch a whole lot of the tanking Memphis Grizzlies last year, except when I was rooting for them to win. Yeah. Uh, so the Suns had better ping pong balls. But so, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't give a ton of thought of it because I was just so angry about the trade in general. Um, but I, even I couldn't have been. Even me in my most curmudgeonly state, David, couldn't have been prepared for what happened next. I don't think any of us could, Max. Uh, I think we're all trying to... Uh, work out what the hell was going on with the next series of tweets, which I'm sure you're going to get us into now. So my perspective was they went like this. Woj tweeted, clarify, colon, Marshawn Brooks, not Dylan, <laughs> which I said was the most Phoenix Suns tweet of all time at the time. Yep. <laughs> it's just, I was like, Jesus Christ, Suns, you can't even get the right Brooks. And then Gambo comes and just doubles down and says, that is wrong. This is Dylan Brooks in here. And at that point, it was just like, David, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I find this I find this part of the night probably the most interesting, as as probably everyone else does. But from a few different perspectives, um, you know, Woj and other newsbreakers they often get things wrong, lost in translation because mm -hmm. they're uh, trying to get things out first and and quicker than everyone else. And uh, a lot of these texts and things from sources go to multiple people at the same time. So as far as being first goes, it's whoever can be. Uh, quickest to decipher the information and, and get it out on their own account. So, 
the initial kind of clarification from Woj, I didn't take as uh, being anything that ended up being in terms of the the actual trade being stuffed up. I just you know, took it as you know Woj perhaps getting something wrong. Uh, I you know it's no secret for people that know me don't like Gambo very much in terms of the way he. Uh, not so much reports news, but goes outside of that with some of his opinion-based stuff because I think he, you know, is very far removed from the league and and doesn't really have his finger on the pulse from that perspective. So uh, I kind of went in all in on Gambo getting something wrong again, um, and then very quickly uh, had to uh, at, at least backtrack on that a little bit and, and apologize to Gambo because it, it looked like for a second at least. Uh, he was the one with the correct information, and and then very quickly, uh, I think everyone realised that it was a, an actual misunderstanding with the trade rather than just the communication of the trade, Max. But how were you feeling at that point? Were were you just laughing, or or could you actually get some uh, clear thoughts out of the way? Oh no, I was it was definitely just laughing. Initially, uh, I I totally believed Woj, and I thought Gambo was probably just wrong. Yeah. But by the by the third time Gambo doubled down on it, I was like. Gambo is not just making this up. If he's if he's gone down on this three times in a row, the Suns are telling him that they got Dylan Brooks. And when I was also seeing at the same time the most respected Memphis uh, B guy, who I think is Chris Harrington or something like that, yeah, uh, he was like tripling down also on the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies only were sitting Marshawn Brooks. At that time, I pieced it together, and it was like, oh my god. They don't realize what Brooks are trading. This is a, this is a giant miscommunication. Yep, and we you know we got a window. I think a lot of you know regular NBA fans, particularly those on NBA Twitter, understand uh, you know how teams use these guys as sources and and get their information out there. And you know we were seeing very live uh, in action as it went down. We were seeing you know teams basically use their uh, mouthpieces to to try and fight their their fight on this and and that kind of continued right the way through uh, as we'll get into but you know I, I think we should probably touch quickly on the you know the actual miscommunication in the trade uh, and what we were talking about before in terms of whose fault it was because I think most people obviously automatically wanted to uh, point to the Suns, and uh, you know we we probably deserve that. We we've got that reputation over time, and and as I said, we we definitely deserve to to have the finger pointed at us. But uh, I, I kind of firmly believe that uh, the Suns weren't the ones to blame in this max. If if you take all the information uh, as it's been reported, and and who's been willing to put their name to certain things, and whilst we probably deserve people to point the finger at us, uh, you know I think. Yeah, we we probably got off the best out of all three teams in, in terms of just that little PR nightmare. Well, at the time, I agree. It, everyone sort of assumed it was the Suns. And listen, including me, I I was firing off my jokes last night. Yep. Don't get me wrong. I was I was fully making fun of Phoenix, but once we figured out that uh, there, not even just the Suns, but beat reporters, but others were reporting that the Suns and the and the Grizzlies have been talking about Brooks for like a week now. Yeah including exchanging medicals. And I think, so here's the thing. When you have three parties in a thing and two of them are 100% on one side and one's on the other side, that's where it starts to get a little bit question marky. And Washington and Phoenix are, you know, steadfast. This is what happened. Uh, if it were Phoenix's fault, you would think Washington would be signing with Memphis saying, oh, no, it was Marshawn the whole time. Yeah. Washington is, in a way, the neutral party here. And, and kind of what their perspective is, is, is probably the most likely outcome. 
And it seemed very clear that, you know, this is on Memphis. I, I don't know if I don't know if this was a ownership uh, executive thing in Memphis. I'm kind of thinking that's where it is because there was that report that uh, Robert Sarver and Robert Perra, yep. uh, who is the you know the uh, Grizzlies uh, primary owner, were, were talking about this separately with Dylan Brooks. And I almost kind of buy that as what happened is they were talking about it more like kind of over the GM's head and the GM's because because if you and I believe this like Chris Vernon from the Ringer was he's a big Memphis guy and he was in the room and and it sounds like the Memphis executives were just furious that this even happened yeah um and I think that's why I think part of their fury was that it might have been and this is speculation but I, I think it might have been the ownership of Memphis who was sort of going over their heads a little yeah, bit yeah I think so too I, you know we've had you know, numerous reporters come out and, and say, my source categorically says that this did or didn't happen. And, you know, that's fine. But as you've alluded to, it doesn't mean that other conversations weren't going on. And, uh, you know, we know as Phoenix fans that our ownership, you know, gets uh, involved in these conversations. And, and perhaps that is what happened with Memphis as well, because, it you know, it sounds like at least some conversations definitely went on around Dylan Brooks and that may be confused the, the entire scenario whilst I you know I think we don't deserve the blame uh, in this one but you know deserve most people to, to point to Phoenix in the first place uh, I, I will note the the little caveat of if we actually had a proper GM max maybe this wouldn't happen you know I listened to Bobby Marks and and Brian Windhorse podcast reaction podcast to it last night and uh, you know whilst I like to make fun of Bobby Marks there's there's no doubting that he knows how these things go on and knows the inner workings of, uh, of NBA front offices. And, you know, as he said, any three team trade, you know, there should at least be an email chain or, or a, a conference call where all three parties, uh, are on it before, you know, things like players start getting informed of the trade. This doesn't require front office super experience. This requires common sense. Exactly. I'm sure a bunch of a bunch of our listeners have been in you know in corporations before. I'm a, I'm a lawyer for a, for a company. Yeah. We would never do a, a deal without talking to all the parties involved. That's asinine. Exactly. You, you don't go public with something before. It, it's nuts. So all three parties here are at fault. They they need to be doing a better job when they're when they're discussing these things, particularly before they go public with them. Yep, and we, we can blame, you know, James Jones or, you know, the, the Suns in general, the Suns front office, but, you know, I, I point straight to someone like Robert Sava, uh, outside of whatever his involvement in this actual deal was, uh, more so towards, uh, you know, how about actually employing a, a permanent GM uh, with GM mm-hmm. experience uh, and, and having one voice for the franchise when it comes to these things? Because as we've discussed... These miscommunications probably happen when you're in a situation like Minnesota was a little while back with Jimmy Butler. And, uh, you know, some teams are calling the owner, some teams are calling the GM and and you've got all these conflicting conversations going on. That's exactly how these uh, miscommunications, however silly they are, uh, tend to happen, Max. As I tweeted last night, the Sun should probably hire a GM soon. Um, it'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice. So let's move to the next part, which is just the confirmation. What was tweeted? The deal is dead. It, it, it kind of became obvious that that's where it was headed. But for me, it was relief because I didn't like the deal. Uh, yep. It was both relief and it was just funny. It was fun. I, I was happy we we're going to have this moment at that point that we we're going to be able to talk about just kind of forever. It's just, it's just a funny moment in NBA history. And uh, ultimately, the, the trade ended up happening anyway. And we'll get to it, I think, in a better form. Uh, it was just kind of a, it was just fun. I liked it, David. Yeah, I, I was a little bit different to you, Max. As I noted on Twitter, and a few people listening to this will probably know, 
uh, I was out and about and, and had a battery problem. So I actually uh, lost contact with the world uh, as we know it uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, and the point that I that I lost the contact was right when the miscommunication about which Brooks it was, uh, was going on. So, uh, for a period of time, uh, I actually had no idea what was going on with this trade. And, uh, by the time I, I got back online, uh, the, the Woj tweeted had already been up for a good, you know, half an hour or so. So, uh, I was very much in the dark and, uh, really not knowing what to expect. I, I, I didn't even know. I don't think at, at the time I even was at the point where I knew if it was a, a miscommunication reporting the, the trade or, or within the trade itself. So uh, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a sense of relief to me, even though I, I, I didn't mind the Dylan Brooks part of the trade. Uh, it, it was at least a relief to me that we didn't relent and, and just take Marshawn Brooks because that trade uh, in kind of what was going in and out in, in that one specifically would have been uh, pretty hard to justify from a son's perspective. It would have been abominable is the word I use for it. Like that's just two worthless players and a player who I think just hurts you, which we'll get into. But uh, so yeah, that happened. The deal died. And then Dave, before we get into how we feel about the, the actual deal that happened this morning, let's talk a little bit maybe about the kind of the side part of this was the tweet about Robert Sarber and how he apparently yep. killed a trade for uh, with Ariza going to the Los Angeles Lakers because he didn't want to trade Ariza to the Lakers. Now, initially, most Suns fans, including me, I, I think I, I thought back to the Nash trade, and I it, we yep. kind of thought that's what he was thinking about. But I saw some clarification later. I can't remember from who the clarification was from, but it was more for Sarver about the Tyson Chandler thing and the criticism they got for for allegedly helping out uh, James Jones, helping out his buddy LeBron. And he didn't want to be yep. seen as doing that yet again. So I, that's apparently what the justification was. It's a bad justification. You should make the best trade possible, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, what, do, what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, if there's a better trade on the table, then it, it's within you know the team's best interest to do that trade. I think uh, talking about the Jimmy Butler stuff a, a, a few episodes ago, I, I think I noted to you that someone mentioned that Glenn Taylor hadn't done a deal with the Lakers in his entire time. Uh, owning the Minnesota Timberwolves because of the history around the Lakers, uh, you know, essentially taking the Minnesota Lakers nickname many, many decades ago. So, you know, that kind of an attitude is not how an NBA team should be run. But uh, I, I have a slightly different view on this. I get probably quite unjustifiably angry at reports like this, uh, or at least the reaction to the reports, because it's very easy to put out a report or a tweet like that saying that Sava blocked a trade, but you know we have absolutely no idea what else uh, was going on with mm. that trade and whether he was blocking it simply because he didn't want to deal with the Lakers or you know maybe because he didn't like the deal. You know it had mm. already been reported that the Lakers weren't willing to put any of their young talent into deal. So again, kind of like with everyone pointing towards the Suns and laughing when the initial. Brooks miscommunication came out it's very easy to kind of just you know go lol Sava but at the same time if if the Lakers weren't really coughing up with something worth you know the Suns taking particularly you know KCP was probably the one piece that they were willing to give up if there was no third team willing to take him do we want Rivers or KCP I guess that's a debate for another time but <laughs> you know I, I just get a little bit frustrated with reports like this because you know 
there's just so many other variables that we don't know about that it's very easy to kind of go, oh my God, Sava, you're the worst. But uh, we just have no idea what that trade may have even looked like and whether it would be better than, I guess, what the Suns eventually ended up with, Max. Yeah, and we don't know. It could have been uh, like the LA telling Woj or whoever reported this. I can't remember who reported this, but LA telling whoever reported this, like, yeah, oh, that's what Sarver said. Hey, no, fuck you guys. Fuck you. I'm not helping you guys to get on the phone. But really, the trade was just awful, and Sarver was throwing an offhanded comment at the end of it. And that's why. Exactly. You have no idea. It's so hard to know this stuff. So I I totally feel you there. Um, But at the same time, I understand why Suns fans aren't giving Harvard Sarver the benefit of the doubt. So, uh, yeah, I guess I kind of feel both ways in this, but I, I definitely get your point in this, David. Yeah, it's exactly the same as my two points with the the miscommunication on the trade is we we don't we don't deserve the benefit of the doubt unfortunately in these scenarios because of all the history, but that doesn't mean that we can't point out that, you know, perhaps it didn't quite go down the way that it's being reported and you know, we'll get into it with the trade, but uh you know, Rivers is an expiring contract and you know, there are some pluses in what the Suns I guess avoided in a trade getting rid of a razor and, and who knows what the Suns were going to kind of be forced to take on in any trade with the Lakers. So, and we'll probably never know Max. So we'll just have to leave that one in the past too. Nope. All we know is that we weren't going to get anybody really good from the Lakers. So that's enough to satisfy me that I shouldn't care about it. <laughs> Let's move on to the actual trade itself. So the first thing I'm going to say is if this was the initial reported trade rivers and Oubre, I would not have reacted so poorly to it. Uh, yep. Because I do think Kelly Oubre is is the kind of guy the Suns should be looking at. I, it's unfortunate that he's a wing. And I, I saw Bill Simmons point out, I think rightly, that it's pretty incompetent for the Suns to not address the number one thing they need, which is a real point guard yep. with their one asset. And I get that. And we can debate over what, how much Austin Rivers are going to fill that role. But we'll get there. But I just for me, Oubre is so much more... It's, it's so much it's so much more interesting to me than than Selden and Dylan Brooks together, because Ubre is a a big wing with toughness, works hard. He's kind of like the the prototype of what we what we want the Suns to be building around. Sort of, it's it's kind of what we want Josh Jackson to sort of model himself after. And I, I'm hoping that Josh like I hope it takes Josh's minutes honestly. Yeah, there, there's definitely that appeal there. That's definitely in my notes here. Is you know can he put pressure on Josh Jackson? But before mm-hmm. we get into that, I guess. My my two uh, concerns with the with the trade, I suppose, and and probably what leave me feeling, you know, pretty fifty fifty on the trade, I, I suspect, and and probably need to see how things are gonna work out in the next five to ten games in in terms of the rotation. But you know, we traded away Ariza, who you know, I you and I are probably you know high on compared to most of Suns fans in terms of what he was contributing to the team. Uh, or, or at least could contribute to the team. But, you know, we, we traded him away. We probably got weaker at our port power forward rotation, which was essentially just him and TJ Warren. And we didn't, you know, address anything to do with the point guard rotation, particularly, I guess, depending on how you feel about Austin Rivers, which I think you and I are pretty much on the same page there. So We don't want him to play point guard, right, David? That's the page we're on. And it kind of seems like, given what the Suns needed going into this trade... If this is the guy they went out and got, this is the playmaking guard they were looking for, it's hard for me to see them not starting him at point uh, guard. Yep, and and my, my second concern would be we could have had Oubre originally. So, you know, maybe they were a little too one-eyed for Dylan Brooks and, and you know, he was the kind of prize in the deal for them, as we said, and, and they never really 
um, you know, even considered Ubre. Maybe with Washington playing the middleman, maybe they didn't even know that Ubre was the piece going to Memphis to get Phoenix the pieces that that they wanted mm-hmm. back. That that's probably something that we have to factor in too, particularly if all three teams weren't really communicating with each other. So you know. It, it, but I am just a little bit concerned that we're essentially taking a piece now that we weren't interested in directly from Washington straight away. So whilst it, it could work out and a lot of things with the Suns have worked out, uh, even though it wasn't their kind of initial plan, uh, that's that's a little bit of a concern with me in terms of uh, you know him not really being you know, in the thinking originally with this trade. Yeah, it kind of feels like this was a, holy shit, we have a bunch of hurt player feelings here. We just got to do something. Yeah, and and probably for Washington more than the Suns. I think the pressure was was really on them. I think that's right. And that's an interesting point you brought up. I haven't thought about that, that the Suns may not have known that Oubre was the other piece and may have been intrigued once they found that out. Um, yep. But even still, I agree with my friend Carlos Petri, who said on Twitter, even if you like this trade with Ubre, it's not great that the Suns were forced into a better trade than they had last night. <laughs> it's not a great thing. Not a good sign. No, no not really. Not a good sign at all. But I think, as you said, it, taking the point guard and power forward concerns out of it, I don't want to just write them off because they're legitimate concerns of, of why I, I don't feel great about this trade in particular. But, you know, when we were thinking about Ariza, maybe we got a little bit too excited on what the actual interest of him would be. But from a son's perspective and protecting things like cap space and things, you probably wanted a, a piece back uh, uh, to match Ariza's salary, which, you know, isn't easy at $15 million. And you'd want that piece to hopefully not eat into future cap space, particularly if it's not a player you're you're interested in having around. So Rivers certainly fits that bill. And then you'd want a, a an asset or a prize. As we said, Brooks was the initial prize. Maybe a, a pick could have been a prize in an Ariza trade. Uh, or, or Ubre, who is, you know... a a high draft pick of the past who has a lot of potential and maybe with a bit of a, a team change uh, could actually uh, work his way into being, uh, you know, a future Phoenix Sun, Max. I think the biggest issue with Ubre and my, if they, I, my guess would be if the Suns knew he was on the table in this trade and preferred Brooks anyway, it's because of the contract situation of the two. Mm-hmm. Brooks is under team control for a little while longer. Not sure exactly how long, but certainly a little while longer. Ubre is a restricted free agent. Yes. So they're going to have to make a decision on him almost immediately. Um, they're going to have to trade him before the trade deadline by himself if they're going to yes. turn him into anything. Because once the trade deadline hits, he uh, can't be traded because he's a, he's a restricted free agent. And uh, before the trade deadline, he can only be traded by himself yes. because of an obscure NBA rule. Yep. Uh, he makes about 3.5-ish million, I believe. So he needs to be traded for someone who makes right around that much. Like basically one for one. It could be one for two, but the two other guys would have to be like you know adding up to that amount. Yeah. So it's it's going to limit the options a lot for who they can trade. They can, I mean, they can include a pick. Uh, so they could trade presumably just just to give an example. I don't think somebody would do this, but they could trade Ubre to Dallas for Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, with Milwaukee pick. Yes. I heard someone bring that up on Twitter, and I don't think Dallas would do that. But that, and that's 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 legal. So that's the kind of trade they'd be looking at. It just limits your options a lot, though, because there's not a lot of guys who are making that kind of money. Yeah, I think two two points that you've brought up there, which I'll touch on, is yeah, you can't aggregate Ubre with other players from Phoenix going out. 
uh, I, I think it's essentially two months after they're traded, and then yeah, uh, two months. that that takes us past the the current NBA trade deadline. So that's why uh, he can't be traded, as you've mentioned. I think the uh, recent Milwaukee, uh, Washington, Cleveland trade uh, that included Sam Decker actually got in just before that deadline, which was quite important because I think Cleveland can actually trade some of those players just before the deadline. And, and that's why yep. that deal was done when it was done. Whereas this one has kind of missed that, that window. So that's definitely a, an important point to note, but yeah, he can go out with picks and things and we can have more players come back, but with his uh, pretty low salary already, that's probably unlikely. And, and, then and the, real quick before you go on, yep. I'll point out that we're not making this up out of thin air about trading Ubre. Aldridge, uh, uh, David Aldridge immediately tweeted this morning that, uh, that teams are already sort of like sniffing around trading for him. So this is, might be a thing that'll be a story. Yeah, and if it, if there is too much of a log jam or they just can't make him work, that that you know the Suns may even end up just eventually offloading him for a second round pick or something for someone who who wants to take a shot on him. But you know what you mentioned in terms of Ubre and Brooks is a important thing too. You know Ubre is going to be a restricted free agent who you know appears to have some interest around the league going into his free agency and. And Brooks, I believe, is a, a either a, a small or a small non-guaranteed salary for next year, which I just want to note, I think the Suns really have eyes for these guys at the moment because I think they see the cap crunch coming, uh, particularly they've, they've left a lot of room open. I think the theory is that they want to chase or, or overpay some free agents uh, next summer, you know, we have some thoughts on whether that's going to be possible or not. But you know, they have in these small deals really looked to target guys like uh, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Dylan Brooks. Here, um, they've put uh, Melton and Akobo on quite small uh, deals, uh, small rookie scale deals, or small non guaranteed deals. So I think they are thinking that bottom end of the roster uh, around you know having guys that contribute that are that are on really small you know, salaries for the next couple of seasons, which, you know, for a nerd like me is just interesting because I think that's how you try and build a, a roster around guys like Devin Booker uh, and all the rookies that we have and then potentially uh, pay some big free agents as you want. Some. Can I jump in with a nerd question for you, David? Yep. So this is, you got me thinking a little bit here. So I definitely agree. The Suns have been building for this next summer forever. They structured a ton of contracts around it. TJ's money dips next summer. Uh, Bledsoe, before that all went to shit, yep. he was expiring in the summer. Like, Dudley Chandler, everyone was expiring in the summer. The, the plan forever was this summer. Yep. But I, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't the cap jump not this summer, but next summer? There's going to be like a 15 or million ish jump one of these summers. Uh, it, it's pretty even at the moment, but, you know, things change very quickly. So at the moment on projections, we go from. About 102 million this year, up 7 million to 109 is the current projection for next year. And then recently it was announced that it's going to jump from 109 up to 118 the next So that's summer. what I was thinking about yeah. with that next one. And I think and I think the original plan was that they were going to have to extend like, you know, the Bender Chris's of the world or the Jacksons of the world. But if the Suns strike out on all those guys, they might have a ton of space that summer. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and you're right. We I think we're always thinking that we we're going to have a few extensions hit uh, in the summer of 2021. But, uh, you know, Bender and Chris are essentially off the table now in terms of uh, needing to pay any money to at all. So uh, we project to have uh, just as much, if not more, cap space, or definitely more because, you know, the likes of uh, Anderson and things are off the books 
uh, unless they obviously stretch him, that's going to dip into some of that money as well. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's really not until the summer of 21-22 where, you know, if Jackson turns things around, you'll have to think about him and you'll have to start projecting uh, for uh, both DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges the following summer. So, you know, that's, that's going forward quite a few years uh, now. But yeah, I think as you're pointing out, next summer isn't, uh, the the sole focus because of what has happened uh, more recently with with the rest of the rookies that we've brought in and and that haven't worked out. I think we do have uh, years consecutive years to kind of address these problems now, rather than it all being down to to one year next summer. Yeah, sorry to throw us on a tangent, but I literally just realized that the the whole focus of the Suns on that 2019 summer is sort of kind of become moot or at least not really the sole focus anymore yeah i think it's probably a little overplayed now given that if they do you know strike out they probably shouldn't just um spend the money for the sake of spending it because it'll probably be there again next summer which that wasn't looking the case and they also shouldn't uh stretch anderson for no reason they should only do it if they're signing somebody Yes, I, I, I tell you what, Max, I've had this thought many times. If they stretch Anderson the, the moment that they can before going into free agent conversations, then this team and front office literally has no idea what it's doing because yeah. that would be that would be the you know, Marcus Morris trade away uh for Lamarcus Aldridge but on steroids because you would yep. be damaging your team for three or four years going forward without the guarantee of With actually one caveat away. and you may know the answer to this, make it not a caveat, but Anderson's guarantee date I he moved it to when, do you remember? Uh I off the top of my head he moved it to uh around the moratorium. So you could essentially okay. have okay have some of those conversations and, and get commitments from guys before you need to make make those decisions. Okay, so then, yes, you're right. They'll be incompetent if they do it before they have to. <laughs> yes, let's not give them any excuses. No, no excuses. But let's, let's, we're on tangent. Let's go back real quick to the to the trade before we sign off here. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Austin Rivers a little bit. I, we kind of buried the lead to an extent here. We talked for 37 minutes without talking about the, the, the guy who's the headliner, I guess. Well, as we said, the, the goings on with the trade are perhaps more interesting than the trade itself. But yeah, we definitely have some, we definitely have some thoughts on this. I'll, I'll ask you first, Max, is he hanging around? Um, yes. And the reason, well, what, but what do you mean hanging around like the season or beyond the season? Just this season, you know, I've seen a few people say that we're going to buy him out straight away or whatever, which I just don't agree with at all. No chance. It's pretty clear that they were they were targeting him. Yeah. Uh, not only was he in both the versions of the yep. trade, but also uh, Woj put a story out, I believe, this morning talking about how the Suns were interested in him before he was even traded from the Clippers to the Wizards. So they've been on him for a while. Um, there you go. He's definitely the the primary focus of the trade. Um, so I, I think there's a chance they buy him out, but only if it's like a disaster and they buy him out like right, with, like, you know, you know, February time. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do, David. I'm gonna give you like my best case steel man argument for like what Rivers could do good for the team. Okay. Uh, I think the the best argument we can make for him, uh, particularly if if you're gonna play with Devin Booker, is like even if he's not good and he's not especially not this year his percentages are terrible he's shooting 39 percent from the field 30 from three 56 from free throw so this year he's been awful but it, it, the best argument you can have for him is that he's dynamic like the, the other team has to pay attention to him because if you don't like he can score on you like he is a very 
I'm trying to even think of the word. It's kind of like a Josh Jackson who's more in control of himself. Yeah. Like, he will attack you, and he will score on you. He'll, he'll get after you. You have to pay attention to him. You can't just ignore him. That's, so that's the one thing. It, and maybe in a way that, that provides the sort of distraction that we've always wanted Devin Booker to have because mm-hmm. Devin Booker's always just overly focused on. So I guess that's if, – if I'm going to give my number one defense for Austin Rivers on this team, that's it, David. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much where I sit with him too. You know, I've got here kind of sixth man question mark. I think my feelings on this trade kind of change drastically if he takes Melton out of the starting lineup straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm all for pressure on guys, and if, if Melton regresses and doesn't show some of the progress that he's shown in in the four games uh, that he's been starting with the Suns, then you know you look to make a move. But if they just insert Austin Rivers straight away next to Devin Booker, who apparently is going to be back very soon, if not tonight, then I, yeah, my feelings on this trade really change drastically because uh, moving Ariza, we've discussed this before, that, that should be a pretty clear sign to me that they're, they're kind of going all in with the youth and seeing what progress they can make on, on the development of these guys before they chase some free agents and things for next offseason. So I'll be, I'll be pretty dark if, if Rivers is straight in as the starting uh, faux point guard, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I think my other main note is exactly what you've touched on. It's another guy who can penetrate, who the the Suns have really lacked. Um, it, it's kind of Jamal Crawford, uh, a younger version of Jamal Crawford who can actually move on both ends. You know, I, I'm really sick of seeing Jamal try and run back on transition defense. Like he's the spitting image of a you know 48 year old guy <laughs> trying to run at the YMCA. You know, trying to get back on defense, he he kind of wants to try, but his legs just literally can't move. Um, so yeah, the Suns have really have really missed that. And then you know, I initially thought of that really fun stretch that we had the other day, where uh, Okobo, Melton, and Jackson, and Holmes, and uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Troy Daniels mm-hmm. was the fifth guy. They they ran that really small lineup, kind of three guards. And they kind of went on a run. I think it was like a 20-7 to 7 run or something to put the team in front against the Clippers. And uh, that's kind of what I thought of with Austin Rivers is I, I'd like him to be off the bench. But where where it makes sense, you could potentially run, you know, say Melton, Booker, and Austin Rivers all out there at once uh, in, in some rather kind of quick lineups, which is, I think, what I think Igor and the Suns still want to look to, look to do is is play faster and harder and put pressure on defenses, you know, we're, we're kind of moving side to side a little bit too much and haven't really been able to uh, penetrate and, and score on teams. As you say, Austin Rivers is the kind of guy that if you uh, just, you know, slack off for a moment, he will attack. And we've really missed that from our guard play, particularly while Booker's been. Yeah, injured. he needs to play better than he's played this year, obviously. I cited his percentages. He's got to play better than that, which there's reason to believe he will. He's been better in the past. Um, but I do want to get into now the negatives, yep. uh, of which there are a few. Let's say let's say many, Max. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. I'm trying to be nice, David. You see me trying to be nice. Here's here's the biggest one for me. I, I, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I'm I'm big on this team acquiring like character leadership guys. Yep. And I, I can't think of somebody in the entire NBA who is more the antithesis of that. Yep. Uh, he's been hated everywhere he goes. He uh, there's a, a viral video of Blake Griffin straight up making fun of him because mm-hmm. people, people just don't like him, and it just seems like he's. I mean, I called him Lord of the Douchebags on Twitter, which is probably too mean. 
I don't, it's like, I don't know who he is. I don't know him. I'm not in the locker room, but it's just, we have a, uh, sorry, we have a reputation like he has over such a, you know, he's been in the league for six, seven years now. It's been a while. Yeah. You start to, it, it becomes, it's not, it's there for a reason, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think he's a very good guy. I think Washington and part of the reason why they wanted to make this trade was, you know, just to get him out. Um, that part worries me. And particularly just given this team's trouble so far this season, they've already, you know, had some fights with Igor, even Mikel, who seems like the most laid back guy in the world got in it with Igor. Like, is Austin Rivers really going to listen to Igor's system? Like, if, 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 you know, Austin Rivers is doing his thing where he just charges into the rim and just does whatever the fuck he wants. And Igor's like, hey, play my system. It, it, what's Austin Rivers going to say? Dude, I'm on a one-year contract. I'm going to be a free agent next summer. I don't give a shit what you say to me. We're, we're at this time, 6-30 and 30, or whatever the fuck the record is. Like, is this really going to work out? Like, is this really the kind of guy you think is going to help you turn this situation around? That's... That's the thing that worries me the most. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a good litmus test for, for who Austin Rivers is. I think he's clearly the classic case of an overconfident guy in his skills, you know, versus, you know, what he actually is. You know, he's had some pretty dumbfounding quotes over his time, particularly with the Clippers, in terms of who he actually thinks he is as a player versus the player that actually goes out there and plays every night. But, you know, if I was to play devil's advocate, I would say that, you know, potentially he's you know, perhaps a little too maligned for what he is. You know, I remember that that time where the Clippers were in a playoff series where they were, you know, very shorthanded and Austin Rivers basically, along with a couple of others, put the team on his back, played extremely hard, you know, came out with that kind of Steve Nash, uh, you know, closed eye in one game and, and kind of had a, a career night, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of uh, production. So, you know, I it's kind of twofold for me here. You know, you and I have spoken a lot about how the team desperately needs more uh, fighting guys on the court, guys that play ridiculously hard, um, you know, guys that leave it all out there. And I, I think Rivers is definitely one of those and he should come with a chip, chip on his shoulder as well after being, you know, traded yet again after having a pretty disappointing, um, you know, quarter of a season with Washington after being traded from the Clippers. But you can't also deny, yeah, some of the locker room stuff, and and this team in in particular can't afford a lot of that. So as I said, it's it's kind of watch this space and and a good litmus test for him and and who he actually is as a guy and a player. We've observed it from afar. We're going to see it up close now. Um, but you know, if if I'm being positive, which we all know I I do like to be, I think the the on the court version of Rivers, if he does buy in, may have a positive effect on this uh, roster overall, just in terms of how hard he plays. And I think the team has really shifted to, to trying to give minutes to those guys that leave it all out there on the court. And, you know, in small batches, it's actually rubbed off on the rest of the team and, and seen us be more competitive more recently, Mac. Yeah, that's a nice point, uh, both for Rivers and for Ubre. They traded a guy who, you know, I think Ariza's effort waxed and waned. Yep. I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah. And they're they're getting two guys who, from what I've seen from them, I've never seen them not give maximum effort on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think they're going to start uh, Ubre. I, I said it earlier on Twitter. I didn't think that. I, now I think they are. Interesting. In place of McHale, then? I think, I, yeah, I think McHale's going to go to the bench. Okay. And I think it's going to work pretty well because I think now both their units are going to be trying really. Like, I think they're going to have two really active, trying hard units 
which I think is going to help them a lot. A lot I said lot. on Twitter earlier, you know, I'd probably go Melton, Booker, Mikhail, TJ, Ayton, because I really like that as a starting five. Um, and then you've got all these kind of high energy guys that you can kind of plug and play. Something that you and I have discussed quite a lot is that they need to stagger their talented guys a little bit more. And this is a real opportunity. I'm not sure whether we're going to see it, but this is actually a real opportunity to stagger Booker, TJ, Ayton, um, and just plug these guys in uh, that are, you know, pretty much our whole bench is flawed in terms of uh, who they are. They've all got kind of pretty noticeable flaws, but they all play really hard. You know, we're going to have, you know, if it was me, guys like Rivers, Jackson, Oubre, Holmes, and you can kind of just piece these guys in around the really talented, uh, more complete players, uh, particularly scorers and, and efficient scorers too in Booker, TJ, and Aiton. So that's how I would do it. But I, I certainly agree with you that that's ideal world. But, you know, we have to probably be open to the fact that both Rivers and Oubre could potentially start on this team. David, we're kind of talking myself and you're talking me into this trade a little bit do we not do this every time max <laughs> <laughs> yeah we really do every single time we talk about this I, I feel better about everything and we get that feedback from the listeners too if we're being honest so we do yeah people say we're optimistic we're trying to you know stay on brand here max i'm buying into this energy thing though because it's really true there, there's going to be a lot of players in this team who whatever they get in the floor they're just going to be giving 100 percent and going after it at all times yep. and and i think your point on ariza is a fair one uh is you know, we probably got uh, the best version of Ariza in games that we were in the whole way, which, as we know, with five wins, uh, was not very often. So as much as I hate losing the talent of Ariza, we do need to be realistic about what we were actually getting on the court. For yes, and let me and let me main. give Ariza a defense here. When you were when you were with you know less than a year ago in Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors with a 15 point halftime lead, it's hard for me to imagine it's easy to get your energy up for you know a game against the Kings when your when your record's four and twenty two. A hundred percent, and you you come out particularly a, a game like we did against the Kings and just get blown off the floor straight away. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why you and I haven't been as hard on him. It, it's it's not that we were saying that he's actually been better on the court than what a lot of people said. It's just that you know we never had the expectation that he should be earning his fifteen million dollars by going out and leaving it all on the court. Like that's you know that's great in an ideal world, but it, it's just not the NBA, man. It's not the NBA, and it's not human nature. Yep, it's just impossible. You can't do that, especially. I mean, it got better later on once they fixed the starting lineup, Mikel, and all that stuff, but. Early on, when he was playing with Ryan Anderson, and like it just, there was nothing he could do. Like expending effort wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. But now on, on this new version of this team, like everyone's going to be given a hundred percent. Maybe other than our star center, we'll see. But he's been better lately, <laughs> he and has. he also seems like the kind of guy who will be rallied by the people around him. So the more guys we can put on this team who are going to be given 100% at all times, probably the better for Aiton. Yep. So, yeah, I, I'm literally talking myself into this, David. Even though Austin Rivers is somebody I hate and is bad at basketball, he does give a fuck, David. Yeah, and I, I hate to kind of circle back to what I started on, but you know, my general feeling about this trade is going to be uh, down to how the rotation plays out because it's very easy to talk myself into it if Melton and McHale continue to start. And uh, a big reason for that, which you just touched on, is I think they're massive positive influences on a guy like DeAndre Ayton compared to other guys who've started in the lineup with Ayton. He seems to stay up with both of those guys on the court. Uh, A, because of 
uh, their bond together, I think, but B, also because of the way that they uh, make up for some uh, deficiencies in his game at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's easy to get excited about Rivers and Ubre as, as high-energy uh, bench pieces or rotation pieces rather than kind of saying we've brought them in to, to start at point guard and small forward. So I, we probably are going to want to have an episode in maybe two or three weeks' time after we've seen some games and see how this plays out to see how we feel about this team because uh, I think there's a really wide variance in how this trade will end up looking for the Suns based on uh, really what they do with minutes and rotation. I was just about to say, I wanted to put a caveat out there for me saying I think Uber might or even should start. I, I want to see it more first. In my mind, I kind of I would like to see Mikel on the bench just because I think he could be more effective against bench units. Yep. Um, it'd be fun to see him sort of, you know, spread his wings a little bit because he, he does have a little bit of uh, ability to drive and, and do that kind of stuff. And it'd be easier against backup players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I need to see what Ubre is first because I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched every game Kelly Ubre has played. Yeah, I've watched watched it in the playoffs and I've, I've I've liked some of what I've seen. I think he's tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I agree. I think this is going to be another experimental period with Igor, which means, as you know, plenty of Max criticizing Igor's rotations. So that'll be fun. And, and I'll, I'll be joining you. I'll, I'll definitely be joining you. Obviously, we there's always the caveat of we, we don't know what pressure's being put on him to start certain guys and stuff. Right. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be joining you if he's not making uh, decisions that are kind of in line with w- at least what I would like to see. But, you know, Ubre's another guy with length, energy, as we discussed. Another playable guy to put pressure on guys that aren't playing so well. Um, you know, TJ goes and gets himself ejected. All of a sudden, at least you've got another guy that can actually be plugged in and played rather than... <laughs> One more tangent. One more tangent, David. What the, what's gotten into TJ this season? He's shooting three. He's getting ejected. i got a theory on this, Max. <laughs> what is it? I think he feels really undervalued in the league overall <laughs> and particularly with the jump that he's made. And I think the frustration we've seen with his two... Uh, ejections and and the technicals that have resulted in those ejections I I absolutely have nothing to base this off, I'm not a lip reader I haven't gone back and seen what he said to the refs, but I think he's been complaining about fouls that have been called on him that he doesn't get on the other end and he's he's going off on the refs and that is why he's getting ejected. I think you are 100% 100 right about this that's definitely what it is. Yep. He's mad about that. That, that makes a lot of sense because TJ is that meek and mild guy. Uh, and he's actually taken a leap this season, as you mentioned, to being like, hell, I don't know, one of the top you know, 40 offensive players in the NBA. Like He's really good at offense now. He wants the, the respect and calls that are supposed to come with that. Particularly given that he's you know, oftentimes driving, getting into the lane and taking hits and not getting called. I get it, David, you know what? You nailed it. That's exactly what's going on. Yep. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out on it, guys. Because, yeah, I went off on him the second time he got ejected because it's just not good enough when your team's that thin. But I will give him the out that uh, if that's the reason, you know, sometimes that, that short-term pain uh, helps you you longer term. And he, he's not one to go off all the time. So I, I definitely think it's something like that with TJ. You know what I would, I would? I would just like TJ. I like you showing the emotion. I get your frustration. But Goldilocks, man, you're you're too low before. Now you're getting ejected. There, there's a Goldilocks middle here. Just get one technical foul. How about it? And that's, that's <laughs> perfectly in line with one of Igor's 
uh, favorite sayings of uh, never too high, never too low, Max. Yeah, exactly, which kind of used to be him, but now he's a crazy TJ. We'll see how that goes forward. <laughs> but, uh, David, you want to finish it off here with a little recap of what's going on and a little preview of what's going to come ahead? Yeah, I mean, as I alluded to before, we're recording just a few hours before the Minnesota game. Uh, Booker is questionable, and all signs are leading to him maybe playing, which... I'm not actually all that enthused about Max. I don't know. It's hard for me to know because I don't know if he's healthy or not. If he's actually 100% and he's fine, sure. But if he's coming back early again, then that's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that he's coming back early just with what I know about hamstring injuries, potentially re-aggravation of hamstring injuries. I think it's still, whilst it's been double the time in games to what he missed the first time around, if not a few more, actually, uh, I still don't think that's long enough. Uh, Probably what he's spent out of the game now is what he should have spent at least minimum out of the game the first time. It's hard to know, though, right? Because Harden was out for, like, the same amount of time as Booker last time, same injury, and was fine. It's just so hard to know this crap. It is, it is. And, yeah, as you said, if he is 100% fine, uh, but I'm a little skeptical on that, but we'll, we'll watch this space. Uh, since we last recorded, which was a, a long time ago, or at least feels like a long time ago now, Max, we've pretty much piled up the losses to Lakers, Kings, Blazers, Heat, Clippers, and Spurs. We did get a win last against the Mavs, though. and We own the Mavs. We do. We do. I love that. I love that. Ken, uh, does Igor know the secret that no one else does to stopping Luka? Because he's been <laughs> terrible against us. Uh, I'd yes. say this, the secret's probably more like get him on a plane back from China or on the tail end of a back-to-back uh we'll, we'll we'll watch this space on that one but uh before we record next a, a few winnable games we've got minnesota tonight uh the knicks and then boston and then uh the ariza revenge game comes around really quickly next weekend against washington max oh wow we'll be watching that one i actually i call that the austin rivers revenge game david Yes, or maybe the uh, Kelly Oubre. Is that one, wait, is that one here or there? Uh, I believe it's there because we go on a big Eastern road trip after this Minnesota game, Max. Uh, random point here, but Booker kind of gets going on Eastern road trips. I'm happy you come back for this. Uh, I'll take it. We need to pile up some more wins. I said after the Dallas one that the actual win and loss column really doesn't matter anymore, but in terms of uh, not seeing the weird stuff like Bridges fighting with Igor and, and stuff like that, you just need to pick up wins along the way to kind of keep the progress going max and you really just want to see booker and eight and just start like lighting it up and feeling good about themselves and making us feel good about the future right that's all we really want here exactly so that's it for us guys thanks for listening my name is max mccauley i'm at max mcc 11 on twitter he's david nash he is at the four point play on twitter our podcast is at seven sol pod on twitter please as always rate review and subscribe we really appreciate it david thank you thanks max and one last little fun fact did you know here for you and the listeners third time we've traded with washington in the last five years uh very glad that we didn't get a draft pick back in this one because the first turned it into uh tyler ennis for the suns and the second time it was georgius papianis who turned into the chris trade so for those who wanted a pick back from ariza maybe be thankful uh that we've gone with a player that we know instead max georgius papianis i don't know where he is right now but shout out to you on a beach in greece is my guess not a bad place to be thanks guys